Hey everyone, Dr. Hondorp here, back with an episode today, which is a conversation with myself and Brianna Wilkerson. And this is a really great conversation. It's another example. Brianna is a holistic health coach and she helps women improve their relationship with food. She and I have a lot of overlap in sort of the, the work that we do. I found her on an online community and kind of heard her story and wanted to bring her on to talk with you guys. And so we can look at some of the ways that she's improved her relationship with food, some of the work that she's done to do that and and really make her worth much more than just about her weight. And we're going to dive into all of that. But I think in talking with her, it was cool because it really brings it together She's at, we're just coming off the intuitive eating series, obviously, and she's just now reading the book intuitive eating. So she was, I think there's a lot of themes that come from our discussion of the things that she's done to view her health in a more holistic way. And I think the more we hear these stories and the more I hear these stories, what I'm starting to do is hopefully bring together themes for you. And I know we just came off the intuitive eating series where we're talking about like is intuitive eating right for you? Is that approach right? And it, what it ultimately comes down to is language and do these concepts resonate with you and finding a way to think about it that feels empowering to you. And when I do one-on-one work, there's individual variation with that. And so finding within whether we call it the intuitive eating framework or not, being able to find a way to kind of use your intuition more generally about what feels helpful to you, what helps you to feel like you're able to thrive in your life. So Brian and I dive into some of these topics. And at the end of the episode, I will come back and summarize the kind of key takeaways. There's six key takeaways from our discussion. So we'll summarize that and kind of the things that have been most helpful to her, but also some themes that I continue to see in terms of people that have really made um, a a change in their health and the way they approach their health and their bodies tend to have some of these themes. So make sure you stick around for the end where I will summarize all of that for you. And before we dive in, just my normal reminder that this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as any form of medical or professional advice. And uh, I have a freebie for you that I've actually had for a while. I made it last year, but the weather is obviously warm again. It's a 10 minute walk where you can do this without walking. You can just sit on your couch and listen to it, but it's really fun. In the Body Respect program, my online program, we're doing a lot of guided audios. There's a guided audio with each of the modules and a lot of, I'm getting a lot of good feedback on them. And this one is completely free. It helps to shift. You know, we think about like we are feeling emotional beings that sometimes think we are not thinking beings that occasionally feel. We like to think that we're very logical, but these guided audios are really cool because it helps you to sort of harness the effect of emotion. So there's fun, uplifting music. You'll hear my voice talking over the music and and really just suggesting different ways that you can shift how you feel about your body, how you can think about exercise and doing so as you move through movement is a really effective way to kind of internalize some new beliefs. So 
check out that 10 minute audio totally free. It's at drhondorp.com forward slash reclaim. So grab that today. There'll be a link in the show notes. So let's dive in with my conversation with Brianna. Today, we have my special guest, Brianna Wilkerson. Brianna is a holistic health coach and life coach, wife and mom, chai tea lover, and at-home CrossFitter. She helps people find peace with food, women particularly, find peace with food, feel confident in their bodies again, and devote to a healthy lifestyle that's more than just about their weight. I'm excited to have her here to talk about more about her personal journey, although we can certainly delve into some of the things that you help people do as well in your work. But I, my listeners really love to see examples of how people have made this shift from more of this like external should, shame, diet mentality, weight focused to that internal, more sustainable, empowered relationship with food. So, so excited to have you here and talk to us today. Welcome to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and mm-hmm. how you got into doing what you do and the work mm-hmm. that you do? Yeah. So, I mean, oh, it's, it's a long story, but of course we got to keep it short here and give you the most um, good points here. But <laughs> I actually trained as an accountant though, as a CPA, public accounting for a long, um, well, trained in it, got my MBA. Then I did that for four years but I never saw myself going into health and wellness. I just never saw myself starting my own business really. But I just think throughout the different things that happened in my life that just led me there. So growing up, I just, I was exposed to diet culture too, like most of us women. And, uh, and, but I didn't really necessarily take to it. It wasn't like, Oh, I need to lose weight in order to like feel loved or feel good in my weight. It wasn't until I started sports in high school that I sparked three sports all around the same time. And naturally you just change what you eat a little bit to fuel yourself better for those sports. And I just started to lose weight and I started to get noticed a lot, not necessarily from guys, but like just different people that I knew in my life were just affirming saying, you're looking great. And so as a young ninth grader in high school, who's just developing her view of herself, I think I started to think, oh, wait, when I am a certain size or look a certain way, I belong, I'm valued and I'm seen. And so I kind of continued along with that. I I did get to a healthy weight, but what happened is that um, I'm from the Cayman Islands. And so there's hurricanes are really big there. A hurricane hit and it just caused a lot of change. We lived with my grandparents for a while. My friends went away from school and I just wasn't, I wasn't sure how to process that change and wasn't sure how to process the feeling of lack of control. And so what I, what I knew to control at that time was how much I ate and how much I exercised and how well I did in school. So that's what was the beginning of me really starting to find my worth and my weight and my work. And just became obsessed with it, like barely ate for the amount of exercise I was doing. And even as a young, growing, developing teenage girl, I actually lost my period, which is very common when you're not eating nutritiously enough. And I just got really small and the same people that I felt that were cheering me on in the weight loss then started to say, Hey, like they were concerned. And rightfully so. (laughs) I just was too small for my body structure. And so I saw a nutritionist, but I kind of should have known something was off more than just food when I like bawled in front of the nutritionist. I was like, ah, and she's like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, She actually recommended I see a child psychologist at the time. But I, in my mind, started to think if I gain weight, everyone will be happy, right? Because I was thinking the relationship I had with food in my body was about uh, like weight, but it was so much more. There was other things I was masking in it. Uh, but I, you know, I never dealt with it until the end of high school up to be valedictorian, which was a huge thing. And, you know, again, finding my worth in my work, 
I was just so stressed. And so I went to food for comfort and that was like the opposite. So once I was felt so controlled, then now I felt out of control and I just, food was just like my friend. I just kept eating it and it just made me feel good, which, you know, certain foods are designed to do in your body. And so I gained back all of the weight that I had lost and just gained a lot of shame too and guilt saying like, why can't I get myself together? <laughs> um, and then I, yeah, I, so that's when I really started the dieting cycle, trying to go to something quick to fix my body, but really actually fix the shame and guilt that I felt. And that kind of continued until college where for me, it was really reconnecting with my faith and my worth and my value and finding it in something else other than my weight and my work that things started to shift. It didn't happen like immediately overnight. It took a while. Um, but through just really doing that deeper inner work, I started to find a lot of freedom, healing, uh, you know, small steps at a time, such as I'm no longer going to drink diet Coke because why am I drinking this? I know it's not good for me, but I'm drinking it because I want something to taste and it has zero calories, you know? So those sort of mindset shifts, um, and then, yeah, eventually I just went on this holistic journey where I said, Hey, I'm going to do this and do this the right way for the long term." And I did lose weight and sustain that weight loss until I had my daughter seen so, you know, for seven years until I had her recently, but more so than that, I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was just trying to find peace with food and peace with my body and myself. And, um, yeah, so that kind of led me to eventually, you know, asking myself, okay, well, I don't feel like this was just for me. I feel like I could help other women. I, there was other women in my life that struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Then I eventually got my health coaching certification. And the moment I started coaching, I was like, oh, this is it. Like I'm meant to help women in this area. Uh, and that was about five years ago. So I've been doing that ever since. Nice. Yeah. It's, it came full circle. And I, I remember a while back when I listened to your podcast about sort of just, it sounds like you, yeah, like you, this wasn't necessarily the path you set out to do in terms of having your own business. And I can relate to that too. This wasn't necessarily the path I set out to do either, but it sounds like you found a lot of purpose and meaning in your work and, and that's been helpful, but going back to even what you were saying of, and I often talk to people about like sort of the the roots of the tree for all of us is rooted in like our worth or this idea of like unconditional self-worth. Like I am enough regardless of what I do, what I achieve, what I accomplish. And it sounds like you were able to sort of notice there's um, you know, whether or not that's explicit societal pressure or just this, like what we interpret from people's responding to us, like this idea of like, we all want to belong. That's one of the like key psychological needs that we talk about with in this podcast of like relatedness or I belong. And of course you have that, but it sounds like you've been able to sort of uncouple that from these external pressures of like what I achieve, whether it's the number on the scale, sounds like grades as well. Um, And that's been very empowering for you. Were there certain um, people or resources or kind of philosophies that helped you most along your journey? Mm. Yeah. So I think you know, I know not everyone has the same faith and I'm not saying they need to, but definitely anchoring in yourself in an unmovable, like immovable truth of some sort. Like, so for me, it was recognizing that I was created by like this God, this being that like, you know, in his, in the Bible talks about just like each day was planned in my life. Like there was no mistake in me. And, and so really reflecting on that saying like, wow, my family believes this my husband, well, my boyfriend at the time believes this, everyone else believes this truth about myself. So what's, what's in me that's causing me not to believe that. So anchoring yourself in some sort of like truth that doesn't change with yourself. Um, 
but also, so with that, you know, I, there was this program called first place for health that was very holistic about caring for your emotions, mind, um, body, and soul. And just really starting to see that, like, I was more than just my physical health also was a very big thing. So paying attention to how I was growing personally, development wise, paying attention to my career, even um, my spiritual growth just started to make me really see that, like, I'm valued for way more than my body. So that and then tons of books since then, I mean, goodness gracious, there's so many great ones out there. Um, a lot of great resources. Some ones that I'm reading right now, Intuitive Eating is a really great book just to, you know, I'm not saying everyone like everyone has their thoughts about intuitive eating, but I think the stuff that they teach, they're just like connecting with their natural hunger signals and stop lab- labeling food as good or bad is so huge. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that one because I've talked about in the podcast that that in my journey, like that was a pretty pivotal one. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's been around a long time. Like clearly there's yeah. something there, right? There's like something there. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, and, and sometimes it's just like different language to right. like right. describe right. similar things. I think that that's one of the things we talk about on this podcast. Like we can label yeah. it different things, but a lot of times it's like this core concepts of like mm-hmm. anti-diet mentality. So yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just no, think it's funny good. that you say that one is one you're reading now. It's kind of, uh, yeah, no, I think sense. you're totally right. So even when you were sending me some questions beforehand, it's like, Oh, it's like, it's something maybe I say or think, but the way you say it, I'm like, that's really good. It's like a, aha, we get each other moment. Right. So I read books like that. It's like, Oh, I get it. And there's this mm-hmm. other one that I'm, I kind of, I started, I'm reading way too many books right now, um, <laughs> but it. called when women stop hating their bodies. And okay. it just talks about, one. yeah, bad body fever in the beginning. And just like how often we are saying, um, we are like projecting something on our bodies or like something, some dislike, but it's actually what in my story, has to do with something else. We're displacing the feelings and stuff that we're really wanting, needing to process. And so a lot of great books, podcasts like these, you know, um, really help. But that first place for health one, I would say was really pivotal for me, just the idea of holistic living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people hear that word holistic and it just has all kind of connotations to it, but it's like, oh, too general, but it's actually, yeah, it's like, it's just helping women see that we are so much more even than our physical health, though our physical health is important because it mm-hmm. fuels those other things and vice mm-hmm. versa. But lastly, the school I went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition, reason why I chose them is because they believe in that holistic nature, but they had this concept called primary food. And just like similar to what you, what you talk about here, what primarily feeds us isn't always what's on our plate, right? It's, mm-hmm our career, it's our relationships, it's our, all those other things. And when those things are imbalanced, I feel like we choose better food choices and, you know, it's all connected. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm, I like to sort of create visuals and I like I'm having a lot of fun with Canva lately, but like having this, this broader view of like what equals health and maybe it's this broader like circle. And then sometimes we just, well, many times we or society overemphasizes weight. And even um, I've done this before too, like focus on habits and of course habits matter, but even that, like you said, we have to broaden it much beyond that. And like stress and relationships is one major thing or like purpose in your life is another one that you've touched on. That's been really pivotal for you, or even just investing in other um, self-improvement activities, right. Or other hobbies or things like that. So yeah, I think that's a really good, good point. And also the book you mentioned um, makes me think of, or kind of transitions to my next question. Uh, You know, often on this podcast, we think about, or we talk about like the 
shoulds or body shame or diet mentality rules and how that very often undermines our ability to like explore and figure out what does work for us. And I'm curious what that has looked like for you. If, if you've noticed some of the factors for you that were the biggest like shoulds or pressures that might've influenced you in your journey. Yeah, I think, um, there's a lot, I think, and, and they're, they're like subliminal, right? Like they're like in the things we watch or say or hear that aren't directly telling us that. So, you know, for example, when my, you know, people in my life were like, you look really great. What they probably meant was like, oh, you're looking healthy, vibrant, you know, maybe they thought, okay, you look better when you're smaller. But what I hear, I took something from that, right? Maybe that they weren't trying to say. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that, uh, different things in culture, things that I used to watch online on the media really, you know, influenced um, how what I thought to be beautiful, what my body should be, what size I thought I should be. But even other friends, right? Like those right next to you, we, we, we again, we want to find some way to fit in. So we think if we look a certain way, act a certain way, that's fitting in. Um, and especially as like, so if it gets shaped in high, when you're young and you're, 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 um, your identity is getting shaped, my goodness, it's going to keep going with you. And so, yeah, media, comparing myself to other people um, really did start to bring that in. But I think even when I gained back that weight because of all the emotional eating, I got comments on that too, right? So that feeling of shame, like, you know, shame and guilt, like, okay, I did something wrong, but shame's more like I'm wrong. And I started to feel like I'm wrong because I'm not able to do this or I'm not meeting these people's expectations of myself. And it had nothing to do even with like dating at that time, it had nothing to do with boys or anything. It was just this idea that I needed to look like a certain image, whatever that was. And I wasn't fitting that. Or even when I did fit that, I wasn't happy. So yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely the comparisons to other women and even to myself, how I used to look that really just drove me into that place of shame and guilt. Yeah, it sounds like the more broad messages that we all get or like the messages like that are some more subliminal subliminal like you should look this certain way this is what health looks like but then also it sounds like you got like specific comments right of people like you know people just feel like we they can comment on our bodies for some reason um and they feel like that's sort of feedback and obviously some people have maybe some good intention behind that and some don't <laughs> but either way it sort of can undermine that and so yeah, I can certainly relate to that. And you, we talked briefly when we emailed you and you mentioned being from the Cayman Islands um, with background sort of mixed ethnicity and how, can you tell us a little bit about how that's influenced your relationship with your body or with food? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, as someone, you know, from the Cayman Islands that definitely uh, looks to the West or looks probably to the Americas or the state, you know, all over like, for everything, you know, what's a good job? What's a good, what's success? What's all of that? What's beauty? Uh, I definitely think, uh, you know, um, there's a certain standard of maybe small, slender, your hair looks a certain way. So even, you know, I went natural. That's a really big thing for a lot of people with Caribbean or African descent where their hair is just different. Um, and it's very curly. And sometimes people call it nappy, like all kinds of things. And, but as a young kid, I got my hair straightened, chemically straightened. And I did that for like two decades and because straight hair is beautiful. Right. And so, and then smaller is beautiful yet. You got to make sure you have those curves. <laughs> um, 
And so many so rules. Think, <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's so many things, right? Well, maybe some other places around the world, having heavier set bodies actually beautiful, right? So I think it differs, but definitely looking to more, I guess, a Western European idea of beauty, like small, slender, you know, all the different celebrities and models. I think that influenced it as well, because that's who we were looking at in, in the media, in the magazines and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, so I think a lot of the women in the Caribbean also kind of follow that too. And but I do think everybody's body is different, regardless of where you're from. And I definitely think my, from my family's body, we are, I don't want to say heavier set, that's not, but even if someone looks at me, they're like, oh, whatever. And then they, I get on the scale and they're like, you're heavier than you look naturally my weight. I just have heavier bones, all those sort of things, but not taking that into consideration. That's when I became unhealthy because I thought, Hey, it doesn't matter what my body uniquely should be like as someone from my family line, as someone from this, maybe certain, this certain area of, of the world, I got to fit this number because that's beautiful or that's not overweight as the BMI or whatever would tell mm -hmm. us. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that preoccupation and, and obsession with weight um, really made its way into our culture as well and into my life. Some people don't care about it. I'm not trying to say everyone in the Caribbean cares about that, but um, there is a certain definition of beauty um, you know, that each culture has that we have to ask ourselves, like, are we actually in the back of our mind unconsciously or subconsciously trying to reach that? Mm -hmm. Maybe not, not, we may not think we're consciously doing that. So, yeah. So I think that also played in a factor to um, just looking at other places and what they're saying is beautiful and how that's made its way into our culture and trying to reach that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just where asking yourself that question of like, where does this, where does this message come from? And, and do I want to buy into it or not? Right. And then kind of making that conscious choice versus um, just automatically assuming, well, I've heard it once or the media is suggesting it, or even medical communities are suggesting it. Right. We talk a lot on this podcast about the body mass index and how it's a very, very poor measure. Um, it's what we have. It's quick and easy. That's the only good things that I can think about it. Um, it's kind of what we've had and yet it gives this, it doesn't appreciate body diversity. It doesn't appreciate like just like body composition change it, like it doesn't appreciate anything. So yeah, even just to give, like you said, it wasn't easy, right? But like, we're, it, it sounds like you, you've gotten to this place where you're like, I feel really at peace with who I am and it's not tied up with weight. And um, I'm just curious if there's any other insights that you have just as we're talking through, like what was really, like really helped you to get there? Because I think that it's something that I'm sure, you know, as women that you work with, it's like, easier said than done. Right. And I think people listening like, Oh, cool. But like, how, and I'm sure you get that question a lot. So I'm just curious if you have more thoughts on that. Yeah. And you know, like it, I think the thing that we, we may struggle with something and there might be a breakthrough that, you know, over time, we're not like, I always tell myself, maybe if I'm eating like, you know, the holidays and I eat a little bit more of these things than I used to, like, I'm not who I used to be. And I can say that with confidence. I don't struggle with that in the same way but it still lingers. And so particularly like, I think when lifestyle, like when, when your life changes, or you were talking about this, like age or have a baby, which I just did, or, you know, you move and you, or quarantining and you can't necessarily work out, or, you know, things change. Mm -hmm. We have, that is when we need to very, be very conscious of like, Oh wait, is, is, are these thoughts coming back? So 
after having my daughter, I mean, like I knew I was gaining weight during pregnancy and whatever. I didn't know it necessarily like having to step on the scale every month when I went to the midwife, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it was normal. But then somehow afterwards I was like, all right, body, let's go back, go back to normal. (laughs) And it's like, wait, what? Like hormonal changes literally just went through trauma because you're pushing this baby out and all these things. But I really had to tell myself, and this is where I'm coming at. It's that really watching what I believed and said and thought about myself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that was, you know, having a friend or husband or someone to actually verbally talk that out with. Mm -hmm. And then like, as I'm talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's like, oh, I can't believe I really think that about myself. And so it's being that being, being willing to be open and honest and vulnerable. And maybe that's with a coach who understands, maybe that's just with a friend, but having someone you can actually talk it out with, because then, then you're able to know um, one that you you're safe. There's a safe space for you, but also you're able to hear yourself because those are things you probably would never say. I would never want my daughter to ever say, or never want my mom or anyone in my life to ever say about themselves. Mm -hmm. So those statements of truth or affirmation. And so affirmations, you know, people are like, Oh, these woo woo things. I'm like, no, you know, your doctor, it's like the brain, there's something that happens in the brain when we say things like there's just power in that, what are words. And so for me, it's watching what I literally say and creating truth to that. I do this with business. I do this with other things that I'm working through and trying to grow in. But there was one that I was like in the shower, great place to think about life, by the way. Um, (laughs) And I was like, you know, a few months into being postpartum. And I just was like, I'm so tired of like disliking my body when it just did this miraculous thing. And it's just capable of so much. So it just, it just came out and I was like, oh my gosh, this is powerful. But I was like, I'm going to choose to love my body no matter what size, shape, or scale number it's at. And I just kept repeating that myself. I'm loving my body no matter what size, shape, or scale number it's at. Because what that statement says, it's like, regardless of if I'm a size eight, size 24, regardless of if um, my arms are tight or they like jiggle a little bit, it's like, I'm choosing to love my body. And it, it just started to bring more appreciation into my body. So maybe, you know, even this book, When Women Stop Hating Their Body, has a lot of practical exercises around like, I mean, maybe looking in the mirror and there's a part of your body you don't like and versus saying, thinking something negative and just putting clothes to cover it up. <laughs> maybe you like start like noticing it and actually start saying something beautiful about it, seeing it as art that you would appreciate in an art gallery. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Like I know you might be listening being like, that's great. Um, you know, my whole life, people have told me this and I've believed this. It's hard, but at some point you have to say enough is enough. And even when the world or you feel like the world, even those closest to you are bringing you down, it's like you have to choose to do the opposite. Um, If you're waiting on people to accept you or this, it's just like we're always going to be waiting. Brene Brown talks about this too, right? If you're waiting not to belong, I mean, if you're like, if you think you don't belong, you'll find proof of that all over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what about us Mm -hmm. believing that we do belong and then find proof for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the brain, the brain, I mean, you probably talk about this all the time, but like the brain is so powerful. So really not, not trying to like re totally, but yeah, if we need to like switch our, the pathways and the thoughts our brain is thinking, how do we do that? Um, yeah. In a loving way. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of, um, cause I, I get that question a lot, quite a bit of, you know, our, our society, our culture is not particularly respectful of body diversity and it's very weight centric. So, but I love that idea of like, we can take control and we don't have to wait for society to change. Although we can take steps to try to move 
people in a, in a more positive direction in that way, but we can also take control. And, and even just going back to the statement that you made about what a miraculous thing that it's done. How old is your daughter, by the way? How recent is this? He's 10 months. Okay. And first kiddo? Yeah. First kiddo. Yeah. Oh, congrats. That's so exciting. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, certainly as, as a, you, you know, that's a perfect, opportunity to work on all these things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like really uh, makes all of the body changes that, um, and, and some of the stuff that like people go through before pregnancy, or even if they never have kids, it, it can bring it all to the forefront. So right. I love that just like giving yourself space to say like, yep, this is here, bring it out into the light of day, taking a look at some of the thinking patterns and beliefs and saying, this doesn't, you know, serve me. And, and we and also just normalizing like the process, like we all have thoughts and beliefs that don't serve us. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything's wrong with you just to be able to say like, yeah, that's there. And I can choose to think differently, or I can choose to kind of like, just let that hang out and shift my focus. And I can actively kind of work on laying the mm-hmm. groundwork for some, some new thinking patterns, some more helpful ones. And uh, so, so I love that. Yeah. And I love, you know, anything that we can do to appreciate the things that all of our, our body does do for us can be helpful. Um, even though it can be hard, but, um, mm-hmm. certainly giving you your daughter is a, an awesome, awesome thing. So, yes. And I always like to ask all my guests, if there's one, um, thing that you've noticed that you can feel that you feel truly autonomously motivated for. So this is, um, as a reminder, sometimes people feel like autonomous motivation has to be intrinsic. Like you do it because you like it and it can be, but it could also be sort of like, I do it because I value it. So just this sort of mm-hmm. idea of like, I, I like it or I, I'm choosing it. And this could be health related or something else. So is there something that you've noticed? And there mm-hmm. might be more than one thing, but anything that comes to mind with regards to that? Yeah, um, I can think of two things. So definitely reading and learning. I mean, learning is just such a, um, if you've heard of strength finders, it's like, I think it's my second strength. Like, it's just something I love doing for no other purpose where like, I just feel more like myself. So that's why I'm reading six or seven books at one time. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I just want to learn everything these people have to say. And so, um, yeah, I feel really driven to do that. And I do that in multiple ways, whether it's reading or listening or podcast or, you know, master classes or, um, yeah, just finding some way to learn from people. Um, it's just something I value, but also since having my daughter taking baths is really something I am intrinsically motivated to do because I think it's just a space where it's like, all right, usually it's when she's sleeping, but it's like long day. I could just let my mind and have that white space where it's like, there's nothing going on. I can't really do much because I'm wet and like, I don't want to wet my phone or I don't want to wet a book. So I'm just sitting there. But I think that's just that it's just that space where I'm really motivated to like, just give myself breathing room, t- a chance to breathe. And so once a week, I try to do that. But yeah, so I, I wasn't motivated with that before. So that, you know, things have changed, but I'm definitely motivated to do that now. Yeah, yeah. Perfect example of how things can change too. And um, the reading or learning like that definitely is something that like we are intrinsically motivated to learn. But sometimes and you might have noticed this too, maybe not. But like when we are like, for me, I know when I was in school, I didn't really enjoy reading because I was forced to read all the time. And so sometimes when we reward it with like grades and things like that, it can reduce that intrinsic motivation. So it's a perfect example of that. And it's a challenge with like, education system and that's a whole nother discussion but um this idea of like when we reward these behaviors they can become less rewarding we talk about that with Mm -hmm. eating sometimes 
that like when we say like you you should do this or like we give these messages so um so yes. those are great examples of um yeah I can definitely relate to to those mm-hmm. as well I've actually been more of a math person too so and for some reason you and I are relating on a lot today yes, yes. <laughs> I love it there we go Awesome. And I never was before. It took two kids yes. for me. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe just for some reason. Yes. Yes. So awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, so tell people where they can learn more about you. You have a lot going on. You have a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You have like, yeah, tell, tell people all the best mm-hmm. places to find you. And I will link to your different yeah, communities yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. On social media. Well, all my social media handles is made well, three, four, five. Um, everyone asks what the 345 is. 345 um, is Cayman's area code. So back home, when I started my business, everyone's like, it's like a proud, you know, cultural thing, but also Madewell is a jeans company. So they had their domain already. So, um, but yeah, it's, everything is Madewell 345, but I hang out most on Instagram and then in my Facebook group, um, more than your weight women's community. Uh, and as well as my own podcast, more than your weight podcast. Um, so that's where I hang out the most. If you're interested in getting any of some of my resources, definitely join my mailing list. I um, definitely send a weekly podcast one and then any trainings I do, I send replays of those. Um, if you grab my food freedom journal um, and then, you know, you can link it there. Uh, you'll get a journal to really work on this deeper stuff around your relationship with food, your body and yourself, but you'll also be on my email list then too. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link to Mm -hmm. all of that. And the final question, this is an extra question that I didn't tell you about, but I was, I noticed you had told me in your notes that you changed the name of your podcast from sustainable Mm. weight loss to more than just your weight. So can you let us know what what your thought process was with that? Yeah. So in this space of, you know, you know, the whole conversation we just had, we're trying to shift people from saying like, we're not saying weight loss is bad. We're just saying, please don't let your main focus of taking care of yourself or your worth or your value be found in that. And so I have like called my podcast has had four names, by the way. So I, it's grown with me. Right. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I help women with this. And then I'm like, Oh, it's this, all that still matters, but it's this unique thing. And a lot of a lot of women still come to me, even with this name change, with wanting to lose weight sustainably. But I noticed that a lot of them first really needed to work on their relationship with food. They either felt like they were emotionally eating, or felt afraid to eat, or just really felt um, kind of restricted. And so, dealing with that, and then really seeing, okay, it, it's it's you're really finding your worth or value in how you look and what you weigh. So then I just was like, let's just call it what it is. And let's just call the podcast that right more than your weight and helping women to see that their health, their value and who they are is just way more than their weight. Not that your weight is a bad thing. And even if you say, Hey, Brie, I want to lose weight. It's like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to say I can't work with you, but I'm just going to really challenge you and saying like, why, why do you want to do that? Um, and if you are not feeling good about who you are or yourself, let's deal with that too at the same time. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's, uh, it's interesting too. And I don't know if you've had this experience. I'm newer to the online communities and I'm newer mm-hmm. to podcasting, but I think there's a lot of different, well, there's a lot of polarization in general, right. but there's, yes. and I've been noticing more and more there's polarization in the health space and like the words we choose. So I was curious mm-hmm. just in general, why you did right. that, but also, um, that's something that I, I like to do on this podcast is like, let's just have conversations from, I mean, yeah you and I are pretty like a lot of the guests I have are very aligned, but then that we might use like slightly different language here and there. Right. And it's, um, but, but either way, like it's, um, it's, it's cool to see the like reduced weight centric approach, mm-hmm. not just because, you know, it's, 
I don't know. Like it's, it, there is sort of like a social justice component to it, but mm-hmm. also it's also like more effective, right? Like, right, yes. so it's like this balance of like that. I think sometimes people think of it as more of like a social justice piece and it, and it is, but right. social justice and, and inclusivity of body diversity is also more effective. And so to think yeah. about yourself as a whole person and not just your, the number is more effective too. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. And mm-hmm. uh, it's refreshing to hear from my perspective yeah. too. So, yeah, no, I, and I think, what you're saying, right? That polarization where I think we just want to be very careful. We don't do the opposite. So let's not like shame someone if they do say that I help women lose weight or let's not even shame yourself. If you come to someone and say, I want to lose weight. And yeah, I just think the body diversity thing is huge, but also just in general, like we've lost touch with what it really means for our bodies and who we are to thrive. And so let's figure that out. And that may mean someone's at a heavier weight or a smaller weight or whatever. So really giving ourselves space and not attacking each other in the process. Mm -hmm. That's that's the opposite of what we want to do, you know? A hundred percent. Yes. I love that. The idea of like, what do we need to do to help our bodies thrive? And I also completely agree that the online space is a place where we do attack and we do shame and that is unhelpful in all ways for that. A, that's not going to change that person's behavior. Going back to Brene Brown, shame has never been an effective change tool and it never will be. And we're not going to have respectful, productive conversations. So I love that. I'm, uh, I'm totally on, on, on board with that. So, well, thank you so much, Brie, for being here and sharing your journey and sharing your wisdom. And even just in this conversation, I, like same as what you were saying, like there's cool, like just to hear the way you describe it is really mm-hmm. fun, fun for me and uh, appreciate this conversation. And um, thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I really did. So here's the main takeaways from our conversation to kind of recap the main themes that were most helpful for Brianna, but also I think just most universally helpful as you're looking to improve your relationship with food. The first one is that over controlling and trying to whip our bodies into shape or make them into something that they're not very often ultimately backfires. And this could be whether it's controlling and restricting eating and losing weight in an unhealthy way or emotional eating, dieting, unhealthy weight loss. All of these are typically and can be ways to defend against feeling out of control or uncertainty or even feelings of guilt and shame. And being able to just recognize that, kind of sit with that discomfort versus having to get rid of it is, uh, you know, a very key skill, regardless of anything that you may or may not be struggling with eating or weight wise. So that's a universally key skill. And often when we have difficulty doing that, that can lead to attempts to over control food in our bodies and often backfires. Additionally, the other theme is just the idea of body shame and unhelpful media messages. Brianna talks about growing up in the Cayman Islands and how they often looked to the Western ideal for what is good, healthy, and how that's incredibly unhelpful, most of the Western messages of this. And just noticing and uncoupling from those messages, we don't have to wait for the world to change because that's unfortunately unlikely to happen anytime soon. But just the empowerment to be able to say like, yep, that's there. And that makes me feel body shame or negative thoughts about my body. 
and I can work to actively shift that. And she talks about for her doing some affirmations have been helpful. doesn't change overnight, but really actively, proactively talking these things out, acknowledging those thoughts and beliefs are there and making an active effort to shift into a more helpful thinking pattern and more helpful belief. She also talks about the importance of anchoring herself in an immovable truth about her worth. So regardless of her weight, body size, the number, and what she accomplishes, and how key this was in starting her journey. And for Brianna, this was related and is related to her faith in God. But as she said, and as I would say, it doesn't necessarily matter what exactly your specific faith is, but finding this way to connect with this immovable truth about your worth and this idea of unconditional self-worth is really, really important for moving towards holistic health. So even if you, it's not like you just wake up one day and shift your thoughts, right? But even able to notice, okay, this is currently how I'm thinking about myself, bring that out into the light of day. And then working towards even what she was doing, talking about sort of, hey, my my boyfriend, my, my parents believe this about me. Why don't I? Just even starting to ask that question, right? Of, why do I not believe this on sort of a, a deeper level and kind of going from there? And obviously working with a therapist is one option, but sometimes just talking it out and saying, this is, this is the reality. There's so much un- universal human experiences in questioning our self-worth. And so just remembering that, yes, you have your unique reasons why you question your self-worth, but all of us do to some extent. So it's being able to sort of meet yourself where you're at and and work with yourself and, and hopefully a more self-compassionate way to work through that discomfort. The other key theme that came through this conversation is how we really must broaden our view of health to include not just physical health and how we eat and how we move, but including it other areas of well-being, whether that's spiritual health, relationships, career, personal development. And Brianna talks about that concept of primary food that she learned in her health coaching certification and this idea that what primarily feeds us isn't just on our plates. So again, really, what are we feeding ourselves with? And we we talked at the end about what she's autonomously motivated for and like baths was one, but also this idea of learning, reading, learning from others, and this growth mindset that she's helps her to feel more like herself is what she said. So we need to broaden our view of what is a healthy person and broaden our view beyond just certainly the number on the scale, but even the eating and exercise, we can get so narrowly focused on it and it's incredibly unhelpful. She also talked about the idea of like, Let's help ourselves and others' bodies thrive and know that physical health, again, is intimately linked with other areas of our lives and vice versa. It's all connected. And that kind of spurred us into a conversation about, you know, the polarization in the health space and how we need to move towards not shaming certain people for talking about weight loss or wanting weight loss, but how can we change the conversation to something that's more effective, not just from the social justice component of not saying weight loss is a should, which is incredibly unhelpful, but also just from an effective standpoint of over-focusing on that number clearly does not work. And so how can we shift the focus towards more broad overall health and much, much less focus on the number on the scale in a way that actually works long-term? So 
Really appreciated this conversation. I hope you did too. Love to hear what your thoughts were. If you haven't already grabbed my free audio, make sure you do that. Go do a fun 10-minute walk here in yours truly. Talk about some different ways to shift towards internal empowering feelings around movement and exercise, internal empowering beliefs about yourself. You deserve to feel that and guided imagery can be a really powerful way to do that and it's free. So grab that at drhondorp.com. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash reclaim. So grab that today. Thanks you guys. Have a wonderful week and I will talk to you soon.